I'm a Democrat. I'm, uh, uh, I voted for Hillary Clinton. But the list is a distinguished list. And even if um, the person picked is to the right of Justice Kennedy on some issues, some of them are actually his former law clerks, that would only mean, frankly, from a, just a, a, a political uh, science perspective, that the, the middle of the court shifts to John Roberts. Um, it doesn't shift all the way to the, the furthest right person on the court. And that's the new swing justice. There will always be a swing justice. It's just where that swing happens. And just to remind everyone, John Roberts is a very good man. So that's from uh, Hillary Clinton supporter, but Yale law professor and a pretty honest guy in the whole Constitution Supreme Court thing, Akil Ridamar, who we've had on the show before and talked about before. Real, uh, interesting, I thought. Uh, if you took any of the cable news stuff in yesterday, there were a lot of people. Chuck Schumer's from a preordained list, whatever that means. Yeah, Trump has a list that of he was going to. extremists. <laughs> of extremists. And there you have Hillary Clinton voter. Uh, uh, Professor Amir right there saying that, uh, no, it's a reasonable list of reasonable people. Timothy Sandifer is the vice president for litigation at the Goldwater Institute, also the author of Frederick Douglass, Self Made Man. Uh, in, indeed. Uh, and Tim Sandifer joins us. Hello, Tim. How are you? I'm just great. How are you? Uh, just terrific. Thank you. It's it's good to have you on. So we had you on just yesterday talking about the decision that came down, and we talked a little bit about the Supreme Court and and and, and you know, People stepping down or not stepping down. Then moments later, somebody retires. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What does this mean to the makeup of the court? I don't think it means a great deal. In fact, I agree with Professor Amar, which I often do, even though he's on the left. I, I, in, it, this is being exaggerated in a lot of places uh, for purposes of, of you know, stirring up the pot and creating conflict. But Justice Kennedy was a fairly reliable conservative vote on most issues who occasionally would cross over to the liberal judges on social issues. And replacing a moderate conservative with a more hardline conservative is not going to make a huge amount of difference. It's not going to be like when when Obama nominated Merrick Garland to replace Scalia, that really would have been a big deal. That would have been replacing a conservative with a liberal. And in this case, you're replacing a moderate conservative with a more hardline conservative. And it will make a difference, but it's not it, it certainly is not going to be the end of the world. Why are you lying? I heard they'll overturn Roe versus Wade immediately. <laughs> yeah. And see, that's exactly the kind of issue that I uh, that I, I'm certain would not happen because as Professor Amar said, it would be Chief Justice Roberts is now the swing vote. And you, we've seen from the decisions that he's issued that he's not willing to stake out those kinds of extraordinary, ideologically driven kinds of decisions, whether we like that or not. I mean, he's issued a lot of decisions that I strongly disagree with and I thought were unprincipled, but he's not willing to stick his neck out the way that, for example, Scalia was of, of saying, this is what I think and, and you know, damn the consequences. Uh, well, you said it, it's not going to be the end of the world. You know, we got there's two audiences taking this in. There's the audience that worry it's going to be the end of the world, Trump's nominee. There's the, there's the audience that hopes it will be the end of a certain world uh, by by choosing this guy. You're just saying that it, that the court's going to keep on keeping on slightly to the right of where it was. Yeah, I think I think that's the outcome that that's most likely. Now, you know, it's it, Trump has has this list, and he says he's going to stick to the list, and he's stuck to the list previously. The reason people talk about the list so much is because they don't believe that they can trust the president to stick to the list because he's so often said one thing and done the opposite. So it's possible that he could do something extraordinary. I think that's unlikely. I think he's going to stick to the to the list of names. And these are people you've never heard of, 
who have been serving on Court of Appeals uh, benches for several years. They were probably nominated there by, by President Bush. And you've never heard of them in your life, and they're going to come up and, and seem like the blandest people you've ever heard of. We're not going to see any kind of extraordinary appointment, I don't think. And well, the, usually these people were confirmed like 98 to nothing or, or right. whatever, and then when they get here, at least you know one side, depending on the politics all the time, uh, tries to make it out like you know we've got a Nazi that we're... We're, we're nominating here. And then there's the whole show where they go in, in front of the committee and refuse to say anything substantive, and everybody pretends that they don't have any opinions on anything. And it, <laughs> I, mean, I, I hate the whole thing. Yeah, I, yeah. I think the whole thing is a big farce. Yeah, you're right. Tim Sandifer hates America. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> hates the American process. So, Tim, are there... I, the, reason I, the reason I'm bothered by it is because I think it should be more partisan than it is. I think these hearings should be more controversial than they are. Hmm. Because I think that the, I think the nominees owe it to the American people to say what they believe. And I think that the, that the members of Congress owe it to the American people to have a discussion about that. Okay, well, Instead, that's a, what everybody does is play hide the ball. Well, that's a really interesting thing you just said. Okay, so a lot of people are looking back on the golden era of like, you know, the 80s and 90s when we would, we would approve these Supreme Court justices 98 to 2. And basically the idea was, the president chose someone, and unless we can come up with the fact that, you know, they're child molesters or deranged murderers, we're going to vote for them. It's not my politics, but hey, you know, all we're supposed to do is, you know, make sure they're not crazy people. And then we've moved toward more partisan, where you pretty much you get as many votes as you've got R's or D's. You think it's better this way than it used to be? Absolutely. I think what the in the olden days when all the gentlemen got together and approved of their approved fellow, all you did was get the perpetuation of the status quo. And the status quo isn't good. The status quo needs to be shaken up. And the justices who have done the best work on the court in, in my career are Thomas and Gorsuch, who have been out there challenging the, the assumptions that have perpetuated in the legal community for decades. So I think there should be serious rethinking about whether the country is going in the right direction in terms of law and constitutionalism, instead of just saying, well, this guy, you know, he's checked off all the bark boxes and he's served honorably in the government and he doesn't have anything that will buck the status quo, so let's just approve it. If you go that way, you get people like Chief Justice John Roberts, who, you know, have not exactly been faithful to the Constitution in all of their opinions. Is he the guy who you, because you told us there's somebody on the Supreme Court that's got a low IQ in your opinion. <laughs> oh, you no, 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 don't, You don't, wouldn't tell us Don't who. do this to Tim. I'm thinking you're saying don't Justice do Roberts. No, 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 no. Don't even dignify that, Tim. <laughs> I think, so, I, think Chief Justice, I think Chief Justice Roberts is a very fine judge who ought to vote on my side of any kind of case that might come in front of the court. Right, exactly. So Tim Sandifer <laughs> of the Goldwater Institute is on the line. He's the VP for litigation for that fine uh, and august body. So listen, Tim, my, my only issue with, uh, with your point of view on the hearings, etc., is that... And, and you're not naive by any stretch of the imagination, nor an ivory tower guy, but... If, if we were to take those substantive, fascinating constitutional arguments into the public square and the shouting matches of cable TV and whip up the populace, I'm telling you, we will see cities burned over complete misunderstandings of what was said at a hearing. I, I don't know if we're a smart enough people. I, 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 I sympathize with that. I really do. And I think the people who have that view, though, they point to things like the, the nomination of Robert Bork back in the 80s, when Bork actually tried to say to the committee, here's what I believe, 
here's why. And he tried to engage them in a conversation, and it turned into a big farce. And I, I totally understand that. On the other hand, we've had 30 or so years now of more elaborate discussions about the Constitution. People are familiar with things like the Commerce Clause, which they remember from the Obamacare case, or eminent domain that they remember from the Kelo case. I think we've made a lot of progress, actually, in the general discussion and understanding of the Constitution. Not nearly as much as I would like to have seen, but I think the average citizen today is more informed about the Constitution than they were in, say, 1980. Interesting. And and I think those kinds of debates could occur and, and would be productive. Tim Tim uh, Sandifer, who could end up in a Supreme Court case uh, involved in it like he has in the past, and then he'd make some an argument, and then the opposition would stand up and say, I would like to present to the court this quote that Tim Sandifer <laughs> once made on the Armstrong and Getty show about Chief Justice Roberts' intellect. And that's why yeah, you don't well, want to get no, into that. I, this is a, yeah, it's a serious thing. I have a, I have a close friend who was nominated to a federal judgeship uh, last year, the year before, and he had written on his blog 15 years ago when he was a new nominee, he had used the word prostitute in his blog. He didn't actually call anybody anything, but he said that he was afraid that, in fact, Justice Kennedy was prostituting his vote for such and such. And that alone was enough to sink his nomination. Oh, wow. So there's no way I'm ever going to be on the bench because I tell people what I actually believe about things and I back them up with solid arguments. And that's not sufficient in today's society. No, when I'm elected president, you're going to be on the bench, brother. <laughs> Absolutely. So is there anybody on Trump's list that you find either awe-inspiring or horrifying? Well, the best judge who's on Trump's list is not going to get the seat. And that's just this uh, Judge Don Willett on the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. The reason Judge Willett is not going to get nominated is because he just got put on the Fifth Circuit just months ago. He hasn't been there long enough to qualify for the Supreme Court, really. I'd love it if he got nominated, but he's a fantastic judge. He comes from the Texas Supreme Court, and he's been a solid voice in favor of uh, a, a realistic, liberty-oriented interpretation of the Constitution that takes things like property rights and economic freedom just as seriously as freedom of speech or freedom of religion. And he's also a very good writer. He's very entertaining. His opinions are, are a lot of fun to read. He uses a lot of puns and things. But he's also very solid intellectually. So I, that would be my favorite nominee, but it's not going to happen. We need more justices who like puns. So, well, um, the average age of the justice is like 130, so don't worry, he'll get his shot. Um, <laughs> uh, so on a couple of the big cases, because already the conversations, the same conversations we always have, and I agree with you, the process is ugly and unseemly, and it makes you sad. It makes you sad about America. But uh, so both sides are making claims that, that, that I don't think they can back up. Is there any chance of Roe versus Wade being overturned anytime soon or gay marriage? Uh, no, I, I, I would to quote the Simpsons. The long answer is no with a but. The short answer is a yes with an if. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, of course, in theory, it's always possible that the Supreme Court could reverse itself. The likelihood, I think, is extremely small that it would change Roe versus Wade. In fact, Roe versus Wade was already substantially changed in a case called uh, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, and it's actually Casey that's really the 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 big issue with how much we're going to narrow that down to allow states to regulate abortion and restrict it around the edges without completely outlawing it. Those are where the arguments really are now. And I I really don't think, even if you nominated a Scalia-type anti-abortion judge to replace Kennedy, well, Kennedy was a a pretty regular uh, anti-abortion judge already, so he wouldn't change the equation. And I don't think that you would see the overturning of of Roe versus Wade. How about gay marriage? Even in the long run. How about gay marriage, which is the other one people are going to try to scare people with? 
Gay marriage will disappear. I really don't think so, but I do think it is possible that you could see certain kinds of cases that involve gay marriage going the opposite direction. So cases that might involve things like uh, adoption or um, uh, benefits that spouses are entitled to under the law. You might see cases like that go the opposite direction. That, that would not be surprising to me. All right, there you have it, the realistic view. Timothy Sandifer, Vice President for Litigation at the Goldwater Institute, author of the fantastic Frederick Douglass Self-Made Man, which is uh, certainly approachable and, and readable from, uh, you know, if you've got a bright high schooler on. We had a texter, wonderful book. We had a texter yesterday who said they were ordering it for their school, so that's a good deal. And also, since you went ahead and, and mentioned economic liberty, which is so important and people don't get it, property rights, uh, Tim is the a co-author of Cor- Cornerstone of Liberty, Property Rights in 21st Century America with his lovely wife, Christina, uh, which is a great book about why property rights are so important to a free people. And frankly, the, her touches uh, really helped it. Tim in the second edition. The first edition <laughs> had kind of a mattress on the floor, eating cereal out of a bowl feel. It, really, it needed a woman's touch. So, anyway, uh, Tim Sandford. Right. <laughs> Great to talk to you, Tim. See you oh, later, buddy. We have Christina on tomorrow at 8. So we, so. Oh, yeah, about a great property rights case. Okay. Um, interesting stuff from Tim there. I was surprised with the whole... Because I, you know, I thought it wasn't that great back at a time when we would uh, approve these people a hundred to nothing. Was that a gen- more gentle Unless time? Unless they were lunatics. Tim right. says, no, no, we need more more arguing, more division over these things. It's important. I'm afraid he's not going to get his wish. Interesting. Yeah. Um, our text line, 415-295-KFTC. We got more screaming and arguing about that, but we don't have to spend the whole morning talking about that. Thank God we, nobody makes us do that. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So I've told my tale. By the way, we got a lot more good stuff on the whole Supreme Court, I think. Oh, yeah. Interesting yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. And even-handed, accurate, nonpartisan. I, Except to, when we're clearly partisan, but then it'll clearly be partisan. It doesn't seem that hard to me to be even-handed since both sides are so despicable in this battle. <laughs> and they're pretending to do what's right for the country and not right. just what's right for their party. Yeah. So obvious. But anyway... Um, Puffed like up like a frog, you know, when they're mating or they're they're threatening another frog or something, they blow up their cheeks real big. And... I don't watch other animals mate. If I if I would happen upon a couple of beasts mating, birds, frogs, whatever, I would avert my eyes until they're finished. Not me, man. I'm totally into it. <laughs> oh yeah. A couple of things to bring you uh, to bring you up to date on. First of all, you remember uh, what what did they give her the name? Uh, the the woman who called nine one one on the little girl selling water. Oh, uh, permit Patty, permit Patty, <laughs> distant cousin to Barbecue Becky, who was <laughs> right the week before or whatever. Yeah, but so permit Patty, um, uh, she's probably not happy with that picture that went viral of her in her really tight T-shirt on the phone with the angry face calling nine one one. Yeah, I'm a little girl trying yeah. to duck behind a wall, not knowing how cameras work. <laughs> anyway, she she's lost her job as the CEO of a, of a pot 
company. Yeah, that's because other on. places won't carry her product anymore. And I just is this is this what we want to do? If you end up going viral for something, even if it's something, you know, most of us agree she shouldn't have done that. It's not is that a, the end of your career? Is that the end of your livelihood? Well, here's it, the problem. Here's the issue. That was not a great moment for her. Right. Uh, me, I'm a law and order guy, but I'm not on her side on this one. Uh, you know, if the kid is screaming outside your window, ask the kid to stop screaming outside your Don't window. Don't call 911. <clears throat> freaking selling water without a license? Are you serious? But anyway, she had a bad moment. The difference now is your bad moment is liable to be caught on video and distributed to the earth. And then we all get to judge, and 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 the, the harsh judgment of the millions comes crashing down. I'm going to tell everyone about how shitty you are. That's a great description. And then having had the sort of moment that we all have that's in life, key. You, key. Lo- you lose your job. That's the key. Is there some sort of weird psychological, I've done that, or something similar to that, I'm going to judge them very harshly because I'm embarrassed or mad myself for having done that. It's a well-known phenomenon around the globe. As we brought up before, there have been vicious, just despicable stonings of people in the Muslim world. And they ask the people afterward, why were you chucking stones? And they'll say, you're not going to use my name, right? Because I didn't want anybody to think I'm not devout because then they'd stone me next. Mm. So you got to join in the shaming. But anyway, she so got that story, and I wanted to hit you with this real fast. doesn't take a long time. So a man caused a flight uh, on the other side of the planet to land because people were complaining about his smell. He oh, smelled yeah. so awful. Well, he died, actually, from what was making him smell bad. He picked up one of your flesh-eating virus sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. I and it was eating his flesh, news. and it's what made him smell so bad. wasn't his fault. Oh. He was a Russian rock musician who had been on vacation somewhere. He must have had quite the crazy uh, vacation, this Russian rock star. Do we still have the the, the Pussy Riot music, Michael? That'd be fun right but now. But he caught himself some sort of flesh-eating vomit, a uh, uh, virus, yeah. and he began... Uh, oh, just people are eating their breakfast now, all right? Well, it was just, just, it was just eating them away and smelled bad. People were throwing up oh boy. and screaming and passing out over the smell of this dude. They actually landed the plane, but he died shortly thereafter. You know, folks, I try to rein him in. I really do. <laughs> I really do. Would that make you feel bad if you're complaining about how smelly a dude is and then he dies from something he had no control of? To me, it's like an intervention. Hey, that's more than a rash there, uh, pal. You you smell like a corpse, for one thing. Well, if he's a rock star coming off a vacation, he might have looked like, you know, he was the cause of his own smell. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I see your point. Coming off a party weekend? Yes. Yeah. But it wasn't his fault. Wow. Wow. And uh, one more chilling tale from the world of crime. Oh. Is this Pussy Riot? It doesn't sound like it. Michael, are you gifted with the power of speech? Oh, it is. Okay. All right, this is their new techno sound. <laughs> They're evolving as a band. Didn't Vladimir Putin jail them at one he point? He did. And now he's meeting with Trump. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, Trump bludgeons Democrats over calls to abolish ICE, and Stanford researchers say we should not start working until we're 40. Don't work until you're 40. Right. There's a lot of people sitting on their parents' couches liking that idea. Yikes. Huh? Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. From the 
text line permit patty made a choice and her vendors have the freedom to choose too of course they do but the the my point is is the penalty in the modern world equal to the crime right i don't um, i don't know how you could have missed the point so completely my texting friend we don't give you the death penalty for speeding it's a, it's a ticket of a certain size and it used to be you know, if you were a jerk at a restaurant or whatever, I don't know what the penalty is. The embarrassment in front of just the people there, or your wife says that was out of line, or right. your kids, or whatever. But now, um, somebody posts it to YouTube and you lose your job. Should you lose your job over that? Over the sort of moment every single human being has. Yeah, that's, that's a tough one. I don't know how we'll work this out. I, really I mean, don't. by the standards of being in a bad mood and, and saying you can't sell that stuff here and getting caught on video... Who among us would have our career? Or, or is the flip side, um, it makes everybody behave n- n- nicer? Yeah, there is some of that. Although I just, I, I, to what there's, human beings don't have the capacity to live perfect lives. No, that's why we need Jesus, Jack. Um, but <laughs> we, uh, so that's just. I get you don't want people to act like flaming a holes. But come on, you have a bad moment, you make an unfortunate joke, and all of a sudden your career's over? That's just wrong. That's, you called the cops on a six-year-old. Like, that, I, I don't, like, that's, that seems like a really easy thing to not do, regardless of the how six-year-old you are. and her mother. I, do you think the six-year-old was out there of her own free will, Sean? Naive. Yeah, I wouldn't do that, but... Uh... No, neither would I. But I think it was a, an a-hole move. A, I don't think it's the, the punishment is she loses her career. Yeah. Hmm. Or her job, get, at least. Our text line, 415-295-KFTC. News now with Marshall Phillips. Now, President Trump at last night's rally in North Dakota says extremist Democrat politicians calling for the elimination of immigration and customs enforcement would allow the U.S. to be overrun. And these are actually putting ICE officers and their families in harm's way. Extremist Democrat politicians have called for the complete elimination of ICE. We don't want ICE anymore. You know what would happen to parts of our country? It would be overrun with the worst criminal elements you have ever seen. I think the uh... left-wing activists are trying to block ICE officers from doing their jobs and publicly posting their home addresses, putting these incredible people and their families in harm's way. These radical Democrat protesters, they really want anarchy, but the only response they will find from our government is very strong law and order. So, I think the election of the hot Marxist in New York, or the, her win in the primary, although it's of little significance, really, to anything, I think that's a gift to Republicans. Oh, no They'll doubt. They'll flog that like crazy. Uh, that, uh, together with the Maxine Waters stuff, well, real, did you, real gift. Did you see Nancy Pelosi downplaying uh, the hot Marxist win? No, well, I didn't. It's one small district. It doesn't mean much for the whole country. Wow. Nancy Pelosi trying to make the point that it, it didn't, you know, that doesn't mean anything right. about the party or the country. Um the other thing, is this actually happened, what Trump mentioned? Yeah. Giving out the home addresses of ICE agents? Yep. Has this occurred? It's based on a Washington Post report that WikiLeaks was behind the publication of a database that revealed thousands of ICE employees' identity, addresses, and wow. other information. Well, come on, WikiLeaks. How do you justify that? The, the Julian Assange philosophy of, you know, we all need to have all information. 
home addresses of, of law enforcement? How, how do you... Who are going up against the most savage and inhumane organizations on Earth, the drug cartels? Next to ISIS, perhaps. I'd like to hear the intellectual argument for that. That is awful. Well, he's, to some extent, an open borders utopian, you know, nutbag. Melania Trump heading to the southern U.S. border for the second time in a week. She got on board an official Is she going to wear who, who, her who gives an S shirt? No, no, no. She's, she's just a, bought a new hat that says, I don't like Hispanic people. <laughs> Feeling the last message was too subtle. She, she was seen... She was seen boarding the official plane wearing a black shirt and white slacks. Of all the things that have happened in the last couple of years, and a lot of things have happened, her wearing that jacket is the hardest one to split in terms of inexplicable. I know. I know. That was crazy. (laughs) (laughs) We got a Stanford researcher who says we really shouldn't work full time until we're at least... 40. I agree completely. What what do we eat? And, up and if we did, since like we were 16, we <laughs> should get the rest of our career off. Paid. What uh, what do you eat up until age 40? Uh, yeah, the, the psychologist, uh, Laura Karstensen. Whatever your parents have in the fridge, idiot. Please. <laughs> Laura says our lives are arranged all wrong. She says we need a new model because the current one just doesn't work. It fails to recognize all the other demands of our time. <laughs> People who work full time while they're raising children never get a break, never get to refresh. We go at this unsustainable pace and then just pull the plug. Well, our parents did it, and they seem to be all right. And there are millions and, and of and their parents and their parents and their parents, and yeah. I could do that all day. Well, what species is she talking about? Because Homo sapiens have pretty much had to feed themselves. Well, she thinks education and apprenticeships should run through the years when people are raising children. I, I, in, I retroactively love that idea. Fabulous idea. I'd also, you know, like to have a circus featuring moon creatures uh, available to watch through telescopes. And I want to ride a unicorn to work. What the hell is she talking about? She says full-time work would ideally begin around the age 40, then gradually transition to part-time work in the later years before full retirement at age 80. Okay, I do get back to that. What are wow. you eating up until age 40? Does she explain that? Well, I, I think what well, she's saying... part-time work. Yeah, you do part-time work. Uh, you don't part-time work. enough to afford to live? And have children, I well, guess. I don't know. Government subsidies, I'm sure. I don't well, know that's how what this lady swings. But I'm trying to figure out how the economic model of this, how it works out. Yeah, I didn't go too much into the economics of it, but they, you know, that's what she's throwing out there. She says, you know, plan to work longer, but have have plans to also take big breaks. Breaks while during those years. This spoke like a true academic. My God. Yeah. Uh, listen, I get back to the root of how. what are you going to eat? I don't know if you went to college. I did. Man, there are some professors with some wackadoo ideas. Yes. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. As I've tried to teach my children, listen, it's fundamental. The beast has to feed itself. Yes, it's a drag. It sucks sometimes. You got to feed yourself. I guess got a text from a friend of mine in the uh, who, who who's now in management, but yeah. was in the uh, manual labor world. He said, "God, forty-year-old starting in construction." So that's really a young person's game. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh yeah, yeah. So, um, back to the Supreme Court thing here in a little bit, which is really interesting. All the mechanics of it. Remember, Mitch McConnell wouldn't allow an Obama Obama nominee to be voted on because it's an election year. Well, it was, Jack, an election year. The elections have, the people deserve a right to say, have a say. I say. And now they've flipped their scripts 
And the other side says we should vote in an election year, and the other side says we shouldn't vote in an election year. Although, yeah, although presidential election year is different. No, it shouldn't be. It absolutely is. No, it shouldn't be. Clearly it is. You're freaking president. You should get your chance. Until the next president comes along. Anyway, unless it's an election year. <laughs> Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We talk about the story of the day or the news cycle or whatever. It was the story of the day. It really could be the story of the quarter century, um, a Supreme Court justice uh, opening and and who Trump appoints. is It's a big deal. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it is a big deal, a very big deal. Joe's going to try to claim it's not a big deal. No, I just, I'm with Tim. Mark. It's a moderate conservative. It will be replaced by a probably somewhat more conservative conservative. It's a little incremental. Well, if it was Hillary Clinton, it would not be. Well, that's a huge, you're right. That aspect of it is gigantic. Sure, sure. And And who's who's on the Supreme Court is big? And you see, you'd have a whole bunch of 5-4 decisions going the other direction. But, Jack, there are subtleties here. That's why they call me Captain Subtlety. Um, The Blockbuster show coming up. Why proof that Maxine Waters is completely corrupt? This is beautiful. This is a great example of corruption in our government. Cool. Um, so the late night comics decided to take a, a swing at a retirement on the Supreme Court. Oh, we're, wow. We're going to compare okay. their different takes on the same topic. Wow. A late night joke off. A late night joke off. And you will score it? I will grade each joke in the low grade getter. will be banned from comedy for life. <laughs> Big news out of Washington today, Supreme Court Justice Anthony Kennedy announced he's retiring, which means President Trump will pick his replacement. When asked which judge he'll choose, Trump said either Adam Levine or Blake Shelton. Uh, They both. Today, Justice Anthony Kennedy announced he's retiring from the Supreme Court. I never thought I'd say this, but you're only 81. You know, they say, they say 81 is the new 79. <laughs> and don't tell me your mind's going, because I read Bush v. Gore and Citizens United. You never had one. Ooh. Supreme Court Justice Anthony Kennedy announced he is retiring today. Do you know what that means? Said Trump, who was really asking. Hmm. Blake Shelton would be a good choice. I agree. We need a bigger, <laughs> handsomer Supreme Court justice. Funnier. Yeah. <laughs> Fallon with a D. That was pathetic. <laughs> Colbert with a B plus until he took it way partisan. And so he gets a C minus. Uh, Myers with a C. This was terrible. Fallon is banned for life. <laughs> so old uh, Kennedy uh, marched over to the White House and met with the president. Yeah, uh, in a surprise, and handed him a letter, and they jawed for a while about things. I'd oh. heard he'd h- hired his clerks for next session. Uh, was that like a head fake? Because that's cruel. These guys are calling on our families and our friends, and I get hired as a Supreme Court clerk. Kennedy, yeah, yeah, Supreme Court, yeah. I know. Thank you, thank you. I know. Oh my God, I'm, I got tears running down my all face. All that work, hard work, paid off. Right. God dang, all the sacrifice. All the. Oh my God, I'm so excited. Uh, I'm sorry. What was that? Uh, <laughs> what? Say again. <laughs> oh, Come that on. sucks. That sucks. 
Do they get, like, first preference for the other justices? Like, if one of their clerks gets sick or... I don't know. I heard this yesterday, and it made my heart sink a little or turn a little darker black. Mm -hmm. Um, So one of the reasons Kennedy went over and met with Trump personally, and they they talked for a while, is the... His family and the Trump family go way back, and I thought, oh, right. All these people know each other for generations that run the world. Mm -hmm. The people in business, the people in government, the people in media, they all know each other going way back. Yeah, It's just uh, they all went to the same colleges. They all hang out in the same places. Go to the same parties. They talk about their favorite restaurant because they all eat there. Right. Yeah. It's uh, troubling. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, listen, that's northeastern politics. Jack, out here in the west, things are a little wilder. This is great. This is a new, um, well, it's a new website to me, and I think it's fairly new. It's called uh, Red Blue Tracker, and they they keep uh, an eye on money in politics and FEC filings and stuff like that. There's another website like that. I can't remember. It's, uh, uh, what was the name of it? Ah, it doesn't matter. I'll come up with it. But um, a nonpartisan type deal. They happen to have their headline on Maxine Waters today. Maxine Waters does it all. She can build a custom computer. She loans her car to the campaign. She also personally makes and distributes flyers and signposts. Let's not forget about her daughter, Karen Waters, who owns a fleet of walkers and also a U-Haul. Um, what they're, and, and there's more sarcasm here. Um, but it's going through her expense filings and that sort of thing. Um, when a campaign makes a purchase, they fill in disbursement description and then the recipient name. Now, when most campaigns purchase a computer, the recipient is a computer store. In Maxine's case, she is listed as, as the recipient. She received $2,175 for a computer for headquarters. Did she sell the campaign her old computer, or did she build one from scratch? <laughs> you can get a pretty good computer for two grand. I'd yeah. say. And she just, based on her age and what little I know about her lifestyle. Her half a wit. Doesn't seem like the sort of person that's building computers in her basement. But I She was also paid $366 for car rental. Does she, doesn't she use Avis or Hertz? Over the years, Karen Waters, her daughter, has received $6,000 for walkers. We assume these are walkers to assist the elderly. Does Karen just keep them around to help people out? Also, Karen was paid for paid $177 for U-Haul rental. Why wasn't U-Haul the recipient? Karen was also paid $675 for musicians, comedian for event. Was she up on stage telling jokes? These are not huge expenses, so why the middleman and middlewoman, or middlewoman? The whole point of reporting campaign financing is for transparency. The extra step just makes you wonder if those walkers really cost $6,000. Now there's the slate mailers. Well, shame on all of us for not paying closer attention to this stuff. Um the fact that they report it like that shows that they don't think anybody's going to pay any attention or care. Right. How about these uh, mailers that you, you receive uh, endorsing various candidates? They look like they're official from the party, but they're really just campaign pieces. Well, Maxine Waters' daughter, Karen, evidently is one of the world's leading designers and purveyors of these. as She has been paid $297,000, most of it for slate mailers. She's received forty-eight grand since May, and the Daily Caller recently reported she's owed another sixty-five thousand uh, dollars. It does not look like Maxine wastes her donations on lavish dinners or expense trips. In fact, she gave the oh, she gave the DCCC uh, seven hundred thousand dollars and listed it as excess campaign funds. 
Wow. Wow. So this is how the scam goes. And I tell you what, if I run for Congress, this is going to be my platform. I need jobs for my kids. I'm going to use your contributions to hire my children to do unspecified tasks for which I will pay them six figures. I pledge this to you, and I, for one, will hold my campaign promises if elected. A vote for Getty is a vote for nepotism. Well, <laughs> that's right. That's, it's more common than not. Remember when what's-his-name Morris wrote that book a few years ago? Uh, Clinton's old campaign Dick guy. Morris. Dick Morris. He wrote a book about this and all the different politicians on, on both sides of the aisle that forever have done this. This is as common as common can be. You you make your wife a consultant or you get your daughter or whatever. It's just sure. It's just a thing. And and like I said, shame on us for not caring or paying attention. This information's readily available, but nobody cares. Maxine Waters paid herself six hundred and seventy five dollars for a holiday party. Six hundred and forty dollars for gasoline. I guess she refines her own. Un-effing believable. Yeah. Keep putting your faith in politicians, those saps. So Joe says it's not a big deal. I think it is, and so does Chris Matthews of MSNBC. Man, he came out of his shoes on his show yesterday in his opening about how big a deal this Supreme Court opening is for people on the left and why they should uh, be very, very scared and fight very, very, very hard. They have no tools with which to fight. Yeah. The numbers are against them. Screeching on cable news is not fighting. But so we'll play some of that coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. 